Hey sisters, Christy here from Book Club Sisterhood. Thank you so much for checking out our podcast. This is where we share our weekly book discussions with you so you can listen while multitasking or enjoying your favorite drink and reading along with us. I hope you enjoy this discussion. Let's grow. Hey sisters, I'm Christy, co-founding sister at Book Club Sisterhood. Welcome to our discussion tonight. We're going to be chatting about chapters 9 through 14 of For the Love by Jen Hatmaker. We're talking about fighting for grace in a world of impossible standards. So this week we're doing part two, which is all these people who live in our house, which can definitely be a handful, can't they? All right, so we're going to talk a lot about family tonight, obviously. So the chapter nine is hope for spicy families. So she shares that her family is very spicy, which means they, her words, they aren't quiet and they're not always kind to each other, um, which is in sharp contrast in her opinion to sweet families. And she shares on page 58, an example of what a sweet family would be like. Um, So she's talking about, oh, sorry, it's on 57. She shares the example of sister, would you like the last brownie? You take it since you did all my chores on my, to surprise me on my half birthday. Like that's a sweet family. I'm using air quotes. Um, but then on 58, she says, nothing makes me diagnose my family as catastrophic quicker than another family behaving a terrible comparison. Sorry. Okay. Just start over. Nothing <laughs> makes me diagnose my family as catastrophic quicker than another family behaving a terrible comparison game that isn't even fair as I'm not privy privy to their atmosphere beyond that one hour. Um, I just, another thing that popped into my head is I'm, I always ask like my friend watched the boys the other night or if my kids stay with my mom, I'm like, are they behaving? They're like, oh yeah, they're fine. They're behaving great. I'm like, oh, okay. So it's only me that they don't behave for. Cool. Um, Cause you know, with mom, you got to push the boundaries and test stuff and see how far you can get but with a friend you know i'm just gonna behave so there's always that factor too like you only saw my kids when they were behaving because they didn't question you <laughs> you don't see them behind closed doors when they're screaming at me or we're screaming at each other but anyway um so she's talking about comparison and we talked about this i think last week we you know we compare ourselves to each other but we also compare our families and our situations and our lives um but I like that she points out, you know, we don't know what happens behind closed doors. Uh, growing up, my family looked like the perfect family. We went to church every Sunday. Everybody was well-behaved. And then the minute the doors closed to the car, we were all fighting about where to go for lunch. And then it just continued from there. And it, you know, Monday through Saturday, we were a hot mess. <laughs> um, but on Sunday, we all had our nice, pretty clothes on and we all got along until we got in the car so there was a lot of people surprised when my parents got divorced so a lot of people from church but yeah so we just can't play that comparison game all right on page 60 she says self-criticism sometimes improves best practices but it can also lie to you and probably has So I think self-reflection, I like that word better than self-criticism, but I don't know. Criticism just holds like a stigma of negativity, but self-reflection is a, is a good thing. 
um, we've talked about it before, like having a different perspective, you know, if you step back, you can see the picture a little better than when you're in the situation. And you can kind of see like, maybe this isn't benefiting me if you're like, I've been doing something for 20 years and it works just fine. It's like, mm, maybe it's not actually working for everybody. Maybe you should step back and maybe look at it from someone else's perspective. Um, I know I've tried to put myself in other people's shoes that I'm around and just think like, how would what I say or do maybe affect them positively or negatively? That way I can kind of get a feel for it. On uh, 61, just below the middle part of the, the page there, it says, if your inner monologue is critical, endlessly degrading, it's time to move back to grace. So I like the quote that she actually shares on page 59. If you're worried about being a bad parent, you're probably a good one. Because the simple fact that you care whether you're doing a good job makes you a good parent because at least you care. So I think we need to give ourselves some grace. Like she said, you know, I definitely struggle with this. I always think about all the things that I could be doing better. But then I have to remember, this is a very busy season for us. Um, you know, with kids on the younger end, I don't have babies anymore, but you know, I just have to give myself grace. I have a great relationship with my kids. They have everything they need and they know that we love them. You know, if that's the only three marks that I can cross off, then that's okay. I have to give myself some grace. We don't do all the activities that we probably could do, but maybe that's not on my beam. Maybe that's just not me. <laughs> not right now, at least. All right. Chapter 10, Surviving School. The beginning of this chapter, I definitely am right there with her because I just got school supplies for two kids this year. Um, actually, I had to get school supplies for two kids last year, but Hudson was in preschool. Although there should be no but there. I still got a ton of school supplies for him. <laughs> they needed like three rolls of paper towels. I was like, wow, it's a lot of paper towels. Uh, but yeah, she said, and now I need therapy. She has five kids that she was getting things for. I know yeah. she spent a ton of money. I got clothes and uh, school supplies for the kids this last week. I think I missed the tax-free weekend by like two days. I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> I completely forgot about it, to be honest. But yeah, school shopping is not easy. All right, on 66... She says, we can still demonstrate gentle and attached parenting without raising children who melt on a warm day. So she talks a lot in this chapter about um, entitled kids. And I definitely agree with her there. Like kids are not being raised to better their community. They're being raised to be waited on and given everything that they ask for kids don't hear no enough. And I'm definitely guilty of that. I definitely say yes to my kids a lot more often than I probably should. But I have, um, but my kids have respect for adults and they say, please. And thank you. And that is a standard that I will keep because I don't want them to grow up and be entitled and expect to have things handed to them because they're gonna have to work for it. That's just, that's how it goes. And that's how it's always been. Cause she was comparing her raising to our, 
you know, our kids growing up now and how crazy it is that they have all these things um, that they don't need and they probably don't deserve. On page 67, she says, if our kids only expect blessings and exemptions, they will be terrible grownups. So I actually wanted to go to the Bible and look up something for this. Um, and I found in second Thessalonians three, 11 and 12, it says, yet we hear that some of you are living idle lives, refusing to work and meddling in other people's business. We command such people and urge them in the name of the Lord, Jesus Christ to settle down and work to earn their own living. So I definitely see society raising children that will live idle lives because they just want to sit back and have everything handed to them. And then they want to sit back on social media and pick on other people, which it's just not okay. You feel safety behind a keyboard and you attack. I mean, there's a lot of people out there that are attacking each other. They don't even know that person. How could they possibly think that it's okay to attack somebody like that? It breaks my heart that people like, you know, we're raising our kids to see this in other people. And I'm actually afraid to let my children be on social media. Of course, they're way too small, but even watching TikTok or Instagram, like over our shoulders, you can't even trust that because there's going to be someone commenting or saying something nasty. And that's just not fair. That's not what social media was meant for. We're not supposed to hide behind a keyboard and attack each other. But that's where I see this going. People are raising kids that expect to just be given stuff and are sitting back meddling in other people's business, which is very sad. All right, on the bottom of 68, she says, maybe kids grow like all humans do through struggle, failure, and perseverance. So she's talking about you know, having to go through things. Like we all have to go through things. It's not easy for anybody to get through this life. So they should be experiencing the same thing. I mean, we want to shield them from all that, but you can't. Life is hard. And I, I try to talk to my kids about that, especially Luca doesn't like to eat whatever we're making for dinner. And I tell him, at least you have food on the table. And at least you have everything you need. You have clothes to wear. We have the money to go buy you new clothes for school. Cause there's a lot of families that don't have that. Um, thankfully there is a ton of resources in our community that can help out with those things, but we're immensely blessed to be able to go buy all the school supplies on the list and get new back to school clothes. I'm very thankful that God has blessed us as he has, but I mean, we're not, well, let me go back to the beginning of that. I told Luca that, you know, not every kid has dinner at night. I told him, I said, people, people in this city that we live in, this suburb right here, there's kids that eat breakfast and lunch at school and don't get dinner. That's all they get is the free breakfast and lunch at school. And I tried to explain that to him. Like, I, I don't want him hidden from that because he's not gonna, I don't want him growing up thinking that his situation is the only way that you know, mom and dad work hard and give us all the stuff. And that's just the way it is because there's a lot of parents that work two and three jobs and they still can't provide everything that's needed. And I want him to be able to see that. So he actually came to me a few, a few days after we had one of those discussions and he said, mom, I want to do something to help those kids that don't have dinner. Like, what can we do to help them? And I just, you know, 
oh, made my heart flutter. I was like, really? Oh my gosh. So there's actually a really awesome organization called Feed the Creek. Um, it's in Beaver Creek, Ohio, and they collect specific items and they, and they send them out to families that are in need. Um, you know, that families that have children that they don't have enough money to buy food. So we went to Sam's, we bought some things that were on, they have a very specific list of things that you can donate, or you can donate money if you want to. Um, but we went to Sam's and we got some things. He picked them out. He picked out what he wanted. I showed him the list and we, he picked out what he wanted and we went and dropped it off in this little barrel outside the fire department. Um, but I just, I want to get him involved in those kind of things and help him help both the boys to realize that. And she talks about that in here, you know, um, in a couple of chapters later, she talks about, you know, I thought that everyone was in the same place as me in our, in my religion. And I thought that's the only way it was. And I want to be careful not to let them think that, um, there's lots of different ways that people live. So, um, but going back to the struggle, failure and perseverance that she says on page 68, you know, going through struggle is something that we're guaranteed to go through, but God said that he's not going to leave you alone. Like he, you're not going to be safe from struggling through things. We all have in the last two months had something we struggled with. Right. Um, but that brings us closer to God. And when I go through struggles like that, if I let it, it draws me closer to God and builds my relationship and makes it so much stronger. But the world doesn't know that way. They don't know that struggle can be okay. Um, so they kind of, I don't know, a lot of people wallow in their struggles and want to sit in it for a long time, but if we let God build us and make us stronger from it, that's so much better. Cause I I've definitely gone through struggles and come out much stronger on the other side. So we can't shield our kids from that. And I know she talks about in, in this chat, I think in this chapter too, about how a lot of this comes from fear. Like people want to protect their kids from all those things, but we can't, they're going to see them eventually. Anyway, you're not going to be able to protect them from everything. Um, and we'll talk about this in a future chapter too, but I want to be the person they come to when they want to ask questions and when they have concerns for things going on in the world, because I've been open with them and I've shown them what's out there. So, all right. Chapter 11, her letter to her kids, which I think is beautiful. So I'm age 71. Well, this whole chapter, she's kind of walking through some things that she wants them to hold on to, um, to make them better people when they're older. So in the middle of 71, she says, I pray for your kindness more than your success because the latter without the former is a tragedy. So I'm going to equate kindness with love because I don't feel like you can be kind unless you have love in your heart for other people. So I want to look at first Corinthians 13 which is where our memory verse is. If anybody has memorized that mm -hmm. shout out to you. Um, but I'm going to read, um, our memory verse. Let's just say it real quick. Um, love never gives up love. Never, sorry. Love never gives up. Never loses faith is always help, hopeful and endures through it's every circumstance. Really. First Corinthians 13, seven. But right now I'm going to read 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 3. If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, 
I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but didn't love others, I would do nothing. If I don't know why this is hitting me right now. Um, okay. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Exactly. If we have all the successes the world has to offer, mm-hmm. but we don't love, or as she's talking about being kind, we have nothing. nothing. Mm-hmm. The Bible says like, we're just a noisy gong or a clinging symbol. <clears throat> We could have faith and move the mountains, but if we didn't love others, we would be nothing. So I'm so thankful that she made kindness one of her her primary things that she wanted to share with her children because it's it's true. I mean, God called us to love him and love other people. That's it. <laughs> I mean, of course, he leads us into our calling into other things, but if, if you feel like God's calling you to something and it doesn't involve loving God and loving people, then it's not from God. It's just not. If it goes against loving God and loving people, then that's the calling is not from God. Completely separate from what we're talking about. I just needed to interject that right there. Um, on page 72, the first full paragraph there, um, second half of the sentence, she says, you have to learn to see hurt people because they figure out how to act invisible and then drop down about five or six lines. It says, if your mercy radar is strong now, God can do anything with you later. So she's talking, remember this chapter, she's talking about her children. So she's saying, you know, if your mercy radar is strong as a child, God can do anything with you later. So this is a great lesson to teach kids. And I think for adults, I think the invisible ones are maybe the homeless. I'm sure there's other groups of people, but that's the one that came to my, to my mind, the homeless on the street corner. And I just hope that we can learn to not ignore them because even if you're not still young, you can still work on your mercy radar. Look at the people around you. We work in an inner city hospital and there's people everywhere that need our mercy and our grace. I've been yelled at, screamed at, and then apologized to five minutes later. And I'm like, you know what? It's okay. I haven't always been in that position in my heart to say it's okay, but it is. I mean, it's not the end of the world if someone screams at me. Um, It also wouldn't be the first time, nor will it be the last. And that's okay. All right. On page 73, toward the bottom, she says, at no point in no environment, among no friends, must you be anything but exactly who you are. And we've talked about this before too, right? God made you exactly who you are and put you where you are and around the people that you're around for a reason. It, it may seem like this is the hardest thing you've ever gone through and you're in a place right now where it feels like the world's falling apart but you're there for a reason. Excuse me. I'm thinking of my friend right now because she just had um, a lot of things happened in the last, since I saw you guys last. Um, 
<clears throat> she had a baby, which is amazing. He was six pounds, 11 ounces. He's so handsome. He's so adorable. Um, she started bleeding a lot. Um, and they had to do a hysterectomy on her and they also found leukemia. So rough day. But she has so much faith and has kept a smile on her face. And we just got an amazing update today that it's not as bad as they thought it was. It hadn't spread to all the areas they thought, but she is exactly where she needs to be at this exact moment. And she's so thankful. Like she's so happy right now because she got such great news today. And we're so thankful but going through all of that, like she's been pulled away from her baby. She hasn't seen him in a couple days and all of her other kids. Like, I can't imagine the heartbreak that she's feeling, but she's keeping her eyes on God and keeping her faith. And it's so beautiful. And that's what I was thinking of when I was tearing up because she's in a really hard spot right now. Um, but God put her there for a reason. Um, and I think that she's going to look back at this and realize that he saved her from something or someone needed her to be there at that particular time. And it's going to be a beautiful testimony and a beautiful story. Okay. Really trying hard not to cry tonight, guys. This is not helping. I'm not doing a great job. Okay. So I basically loved all of page 75. So we're going to touch on a couple things. Um, the first full paragraph toward the bottom of that paragraph, it says, if you love Jesus, I am not afraid for you. Now she's still talking to her kids. So she's saying, um, like, I have no idea where your careers will be or who, or who you will marry. I don't know where you will live or how many kids you'll have, but if you love Jesus, I am not afraid for you long before you were ours, you were his. So I have to remind myself frequently that my kids are on loan to me. They're gods. He just blessed me with them for a time. I pray every night that they'll grow up to have a heart for God, who is their creator. And I want them to spend eternity in heaven. That's the goal. This, this life is so temporary and our goal is heaven, which is eternal. All right. On the middle of 75 in the next paragraph, it says you can trust him because anywhere he asks you to go, he has been there too. And I want to talk about empathy because that's why Jesus came to live on earth as a human being. Empathy means sharing feelings with someone else. And you can build such a special bond with someone that has felt what you're feeling. If you've gone through the loss of a parent and you find someone else that has gone through the loss of a parent, they know where you're at. They know where you're sitting. They know how exactly how you feel. And that's what Jesus wanted to offer us when he came down to earth. He came down here to feel hunger. He felt sad. He felt angry. He wept. He felt the grief of his friend dying. That's how he knows exactly how we feel. And we can trust him. I feel like so much better because we know that he's walked through things that we're walking through. He's had dirty feet and he's been hungry and he's dealt with this world. They, they came at him hard and he's dealt with all of that. And we can too, because if he's in our corner, he's got our back. We can go through anything. 
All right, but next paragraph. <laughs> we'll just hit all the paragraphs because this page is good. Um, she says, when people fail you, and they will, Jesus is ever faithful. When circumstances tank, and they will, Jesus will hold you fast. He is the most trustworthy, dependable savior, and you will never be alone. Anybody know what verse I'm going to reference? <laughs> Our theme verse for this year, apparently, Hebrews 13.5. I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. He promises us that. He doesn't promise that anything's going to be easy, but he says that he'll be with us, which is the most amazing promise ever. All right, let's talk about marriage. Chapter 12, marriage, have fun and stuff. All right. So she lists out a few things. I'm not going to touch on all of them, but she lists out a few things um, that have been important for her, excuse me, in her marriage. Number one is you are not good at the same things and that is okay. So I've really learned this in the past couple of years, but my husband and I work really well together because he cooks and I bake. I like to plan things and then he executes them. Like I arranged for us to donate food to the homeless shelter in the next town over and, um, he was like, okay. <laughs> so he just made it and we went and I was like, Hey, so I signed us up for something. And he's like, okay. <laughs> and he executed it. So we worked really well together. Um, on 79 in the middle, she says, caring about what your spouse cares about is a big, big deal. So my husband loves computers and cars and neither of those make any sense to me. They are completely foreign to me and hold no value. <laughs> They're not things I'm interested in. Uh, so I wear the interested listening face a lot. <laughs> he likes to, I mean, it's like me talking about nurse jargon to him. Like he doesn't understand what I'm talking about. He's just like, oh yeah, yeah, right. Oh yeah, of course. Right, right. Is that what your husband looks like when you talk to him, PJ? <laughs> sure, sure, right. Okay, cool. Um, all right, so on page 80, Right above number four, she says, unintended hurt, anger, and bitterness can destroy even the best marriage. So we've talked about this before, I believe. I was trying to find it in Unglued. I thought it was something we talked about in Unglued, but, um, you know, these, this hurt and anger and bitterness, it kind of, it can fester and become bigger and bigger. Um, maybe a stuffer that then explodes is one of the references that I'm thinking of from Unglued by Lisa Turkhurst that we mm -hmm. read last month. Um, but the enemy definitely plants tiny seeds of, of being upset or angry or bitter, and they can definitely grow real quick if we don't uproot them. We have to get that out of there. We have to either address it or work through it or whatever it is. Um, on page 81, under number five, lighten up is one of her things that has worked for her in the middle of the page. She says, so few issues are actually worth the argument. So our pastor just said this weekend, actually, he said, you know, the devil likes to use little things that are nothing like you didn't clean this cup. Right. And that blows up into this huge thing and can be this giant argument, but you just had a big fight over a cup, but it blew up into this big thing. And the devil likes to use those little things and make them big problems like weeds. Um, they grow quick and they grow very heartily. 
if you let them but you gotta you gotta nix them quick i i shared with my son i was like this is i, I might have said it last week but i was uh pretty impressed with myself on the uh quick little bible lesson <laughs> but he was looking at this book and my other son, he was on the floor and Hudson came over and stepped on the page. And like, I don't know, I think he slipped or something and ripped the page. And he was like, Hudson, you ripped my book. I said, okay, hold on. Here's what we have to think about because yes, he ripped the page to the book. It can be taped. It can be fixed first of all, but in a year, are you even going to care about that book? Are you even still going to be reading it? But are you going to want to have a relationship with your brother in a year? or five years or 10 years. I said, if you keep yelling at him and acting like this toward him, he's not going to want to play with you. He's not going to want to have a relationship with you. And isn't that more important? Your relationship with your brother rather than some book. So I think, you know, having a big fight over a cup. And if you keep having fights over little things, that's going to ruin your relationship. But if you just focus on, you know, you and your partner and, building that relationship and saying, you know what, maybe the cup isn't the most important thing. Maybe we shouldn't have a big fight over that because the devil will use that. He wants to rip us apart. He doesn't want us to come together in Christ. So, all right. Page 82 under number seven, stick together spiritually, which is a good next place to go. Uh, she says, grow together, learn together, seek together, serve together. So Johnny and I are currently studying the book of James together. We found this awesome devotional and we've had such amazing conversations during, during this devotional. Um, I don't know. We've gotten in some really deep conversations and it's been really, really good. So it was really nice to like kind of learn together in that way. Um, also being on a team together at church is really helpful being on the hospitality and the coffee team. You know, we get to work together and build our relationship that way as well. All right. In the bottom of 83, she says, have fun and stuff. Uh, fun helps us like each other, not just love each other. So if you're going to have a sustained relationship with someone, you definitely have to like them. <laughs> like we can have all the love in the world, but if you don't like the person, that's hard. Um, and I've noticed like when we're having fun or just having like a, a meal together that we're just enjoying being around each other, like we don't have to worry about the big issues. They'll still be there when our dinner is over. They'll still be there when whatever fun activity we're doing is over. We just get to enjoy each other and just have fun, which is nice. We actually need to do that more. <laughs> we go ax throwing or bowling and just see how bad we're at at bowling. <laughs> I know I'm pretty bad. I don't know how he is, but all right. On 85, we're going to wrap up this chapter. Um, I choose God in you and me making us more like his son, writing a lovely story with our life together. So I think inviting God into our marriage is the best thing you could ever do because you need to have that grounding. You need to, to know where your relationship needs to go. And you can only do that through God's guidance, which is why I love doing this devotional with him so that we can, you know, pray together and work through I, the book of James is really good. <laughs> if you guys have never sat down and like really studied the book of James, like it's a really good study. So all right. Chapter 13, Jesus kids. So she actually opens the chapter with some kind of sad statistics. Um, this study that they did at Rainier research, uh, she talks about it on page 87. They found that neither nearly three quarters of American youths 
excuse me, leave church between ages 18 and 22, while the Barna group estimates that by age 29, 80% of the church population will become disengaged with church culture. And they also say, uh, I believe she says later on that in the next two generations, church can be something that's obsolete if we keep going this direction. Um, But 80% of kids raised in the church are turning their back on the church. That's incredible. And she goes into many reasons. I mean, I think the kids even mentioned some reasons why they were leaving the church, um, which are listed on 87 and 88. Um, so then she kind of, she, she spends the rest of the chapter discussing how we can fix it. Uh, there's not one set way to fix it. Uh, because she says on page 88, she says kids are actual humans with hearts, minds, ideas, and laundry lists of sin to handle. There is no secret way around their humanity. So they're just as flawed as we are, (laughs) is what I'm hearing. They're human too. Uh, So honestly, I mean, we just have to keep praying over them and guide them the right way. And by God's grace, they'll stay on the path. And I think going to a really good church that will share God's love with them in the right way, because that was some of the the points that she brings up here is... um, a lot of the things that churches say and do that affect younger people's view of the church and makes them actually want to leave. So, all right. On 89, she says, treat their questions and concerns with respect because in my opinion, they have a decent pulse on cultural Christianity. I like that she then goes on to ask some open questions. And I think that's very important because you need to pull information out of them. Like, did you enjoy church today? Yeah. You're not going to get anything out of that. That's a closed ended question. Um, The question she has here is like, well, this is a statement. Tell me what you see and what concerns you. And then she says, what draws you to church? What pushes you away? What do your friends say? So that's, you know, digging for information and being open. You you also have to be open to their answers. And I feel like we also, as parents, have to set the stage of being able to listen when they want to talk because we get very easily distracted. At least I do. I'm going to assume that I'm not the only one, hopefully. Um, But it's hard to put down devices and distractions and things and just sit and talk to our kid. Um, But I think it's so important to build that culture when they're young of giving them time to open, you know, be open with you. On page 91 the end of the second paragraph there, she says they must be allowed to wrestle without being shamed or they'll default to their opened armed, open armed peers and we will lose them. So if my kids have questions, I want them to come to me and my husband first. And that's where we start setting the stage of being able to come to us with questions. Um, And if I don't know the answer, I'm going to be honest and say, you know what? I don't know. Let's go find the answer together. Let's go see what the Bible says about this. Um, And I don't want to lose them because I'm being arrogant. I'm certainly never going to say, oh, well, I know all the answers. I'm far from knowing all the answers. And I'm thankful that I can be that open, you know, with my kids. I don't, I don't ever want my arrogance to be the reason that they stray from God. All right, on 93, 
I like the middle of the pages. I don't know why I keep finding quotes from the middle of the page, but it's in the middle of the page. Again, um, bottom of the second paragraph, she says, turns out they don't want their parents to be cool. I guess I was always going to lose that battle, huh? They just want them to be parents who don't woo their loyalty and coddle their feelings. So kids thrive on structure. They need rules. They need to know what to expect. They need to know what is expected of them. They do so much better when they're set up for success. My kids know that when they get up in the morning, they have to brush their teeth before anything else gets done. Um, I used to do this and I've been very lax this summer, but they have to make their bed and get dressed before they're allowed to play with their toys in the morning. Um, definitely when school starts again, they're definitely going to have to cross all those things off before anything else gets done so that they're ready for school. Um, but summertime, you know, it's just chill. But anyway, they, they do know that there are still certain rules. Um, and I think that they're, they thrive because of that. They're very good children. They know not for the most part, they know not to walk out in a parking lot. Hudson just does whatever he feels is right. Uh, we're still <laughs> working on him. <laughs> he's, he's not the best at listening, but we're getting there. Um, but I think they need to, we need to be their safe place. That makes sense that they know exactly what is expected of them. Like I said, especially because the world rarely makes sense. It's so full of confusion that they need to be able to come home and we need to be that safe place for them. Of course, I'm speaking as someone that has younger kids and they come home every day. I know some people have kids that are adults and are on their own, but all right. On page 94, she says at the bottom, Jesus is the only thing that will endure. He trumps parenting techniques, church culture, tight boundaries, and best laid plans. Jesus can lead our children long after they've left our homes. He will lead them when our work is through. So remind me of the verse. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He'll show up when we can't. He'll hold them when they're far away. And um, there has to begin with. He's going to take care of them and he loves them more than we do. So I just want to be someone to my children who draws them in to God as best as I can. And that's, you know, I have to have grace with the rest because I know I'm not going to be perfect. So, all right. Chapter 14. Thank you notes. I want to, I want to make up one of my own because I thought of something. She said the first one, she says, thank you shoppers without children. Um, that made me think of a time when I was in the store. So I want to, I want to do my own thank you shout out. Um, thank you woman with candy who tried to give my kid a piece of candy when he was crying, even though he was only crying because he got in trouble. And I was like, uh, no, he's in trouble. <laughs> I was like, no, he can't have candy. He just got in trouble. That's why he's crying. He doesn't need candy. Mm. Um, and then since school starting back up, I thought I would address the uh, school pickup line, which is always fun. There's some uh, catty mamas in that school pickup line. So not cool. Not looking forward to that, but hopefully we'll be able to do buses next year. I just still don't trust Hudson on a bus. <laughs> no seatbelts. Free reign for that boy, especially being a little social butterfly. All right. Anything else you guys want to share on this, this section? 
All right, who's got prayer requests? Mm, I have one uh, for, um, we have to pray for Liz. Um, the, did you see the, uh, the thing about the, she took a cart to the hospital, to the emergency, and he has uh, in, in fatigue in, in oh. the, uh, blister on his uh, leg, mm -hmm. in his foot, and uh, they contagious. Yeah. And so she really has a lens for, she has, what, four kids she has? And she really- uh, Oh, Elizabeth Schreier? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I know which Liz you were talking about. I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was wondering if you saw the, she posted no. on Facebook. Yeah, the blister, I couldn't believe the blister was so big. Mm. And I guess they cannot pop them, right? I, I guess they not, not sure. They they try to give them um, antibiotics. Mm. Uh, they giving him antibiotics, but uh, uh, the sanitation is really needed to be really good. Uh, really good. Yeah. yeah. Right. Okay. So we Perfect. play for cattle and Liz and family. I already have mom flying tomorrow on here and my friend, uh, her name's Jasmine that has the leukemia and had the baby. So mm. anybody else? It continued he, um, healing for my eye and my niece and her husband both have COVID. My niece is in the hospital. Oh my gosh. Okay, I've been sick the whole week and I'm still not better. Mm. Um, I started with um, sinus infection and I thought it was going away, it was going away and it never go, it went away. Then I went to the child, uh, the, in, uh, what is intercare? What do you call it? Urgent uh, care? Urgent care. Mm -hmm. And uh, she's, he said that uh, I had a little bit of bronchitis too. So... I'm still on antibiotics. Uh, again, this is in a month ago, I was mm -hmm. on antibiotics. Uh, so I don't know what I'm doing wrong or something, <laughs> but I'm feeling a little better, but I'm still coughing up a phlegm, things like that. Okay. So I need to play for myself. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, but uh, also Mikey's uh, friend, uh, the whole family has COVID. Mm. He started with the grandpa, then they say he was sick, he was feeling sick. So they finally took him in and he got sick. Uh, I mean, he got in the hospital and now the whole family is sick. Do mm. you know Mikey's friend's name? Mm. Uh, Gary. Gary. Gary is the, the guy that the East friend of him. Yeah, I'll just say Gary and family. Yeah. Yeah, he went, uh, she drove him to the hospital yesterday and he's still in. Okay. They have COVID. I thought we were done with this COVID. Mm. I'm back. Mm. Anybody else? Yeah, for my friend Bryant Balling, he passed away. Mm. He's got three kids. Oh my he was 57. God. Oh my gosh. I'm so sorry. Yeah. So young. Hmm. I pray for him. Anybody else? 
Okay, let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for the blessing of this group. Thank you for allowing us to come together and, and speak your name. And thank you for our families that you bless us with, God. We have so many things to be grateful for. I just hope that we can keep our hearts in that space. Lord, I pray for mom as she's flying out tomorrow and going to North Carolina. I pray that she has a good trip and that she has a safe flight. Lord, uh, we continue to pray for Jasmine. Lord, you know, you know your plans for her. We know that she's right where you need her to be, God. And we just thank you for the blessing of uh, her diagnosis today, that things haven't spread as far as we thought and that she's keeping her spirits high. I thank you so much for putting her in our lives, God. Uh, we also want to pray for Liz that Carter starts to feel better and the other kids don't get sick. Um, we pray that the medicine starts to help or just help PJ as her eye continues to heal. We're so thankful. Thank you so much, God, that she can see now and that she's doing so much better. We pray for her niece and her husband as well. Her niece's husband who have COVID God, we especially pray for PJ's niece because she's in the hospital. God, just heal her lungs, help her to feel better and recover well from this, from this disease. Lord, we pray that the antibiotics will start helping Nella to feel even better and to get rid of the bronchitis. Lord, we pray for Gary and his family as they, they all have COVID. Lord, we just ask that you give them complete healing of their bodies and help them to feel better, Lord. We also want to pray for Bryant's family as he passed away recently. Lord, guide his children, give them peace and an understanding of how to move forward. Lord, I know that's going to be hard for them. Lord, again, we just, we just come to you with, with grateful hearts and we just love you so much, God, that you've given us the opportunity to come together as friends and share our lives with each other. Lord, we love you so much and we thank you. And it's all in your name. We pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys. Very good. Very good. Love you guys. Love you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of BCS podcast. We hope you found what you needed in this week's episode and that it blessed you. If you would like to chat more, please join our Facebook group, Book Club Sisterhood. And if you would like to subscribe to our box, go to bookclubsisterhood.com. We can't wait to hang out with you again next week. Have a great week, sisters.